0: week's Tuesday episode of the Fraudology Podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Chris Hendrick. This week, we are changing things up a little bit, even though usually on Tuesdays, you get to hear an interview with a fraud fighter and Thursdays, it's either a continuation of that like it was last week with Sean Kelly or It is a Thursday solo episode of a deep dive or fraud news, or in today's case, it's going to be uh, a little more of a personal angle than usual, but we're also switching that this week. And uh, as you hear about the week I had last week, I think you'll understand why. At least why I didn't have time to do an interview episode last week and why we're doing it a little bit later. So that will play on Thursday, but it is definitely something to look forward to. It's an interview that I have been wanting to do for at least the last year. So really excited for you to listen to that soon. Like I said, I feel like there's maybe only two or three episodes out of, what are we at, 210-ish episodes of Fraudology where I've, you know, talked about my personal life. I mean, really, that's just because I don't think I'm as exciting as fraud is. Um, And I mean, you know, hearing about my life doesn't really necessarily help you do your job better. However, sometimes my life has some parallels to fraud like in December when I was uh, kind of unexpectedly watching my friend's twin three-year-old girls. They just actually turned four a couple weeks ago, but uh, I, and I did an episode uh, about why fraudsters were like toddlers. That one just seemed appropriate that week. And this week, I'm going to talk about a short family vacation that we took last week where... Specific companies' trust and safety policies and really their chargeback prevention policies, right? The policies that they put in place to keep customers happy if something goes wrong so that they don't call their bank and issue a chargeback. How they kind of saved our family trip and I'm grateful for that. And there's some parallels along the way. So I guess just backing up a little bit, my daughter's birthday is this month in July and uh, she just turned 19, which... I'm not going to go down that route, but oh, seems like so long ago, but yet not at all. Uh, and I miss some of the stages of her you know, being younger, but it's really cool to see who she's becoming and just all the things that, you know, layered into her life and the tapestry of her life so far and who she's becoming now. And if you're a parent, you have that to look forward to. Uh, there's also a lot of like crossing your fingers and holding your breath that you did a good job because now is the time that you'll find out. So far, so good on my end. So uh, because of COVID and a lot of other things that have happened over the last few years, we haven't been able to do something really big for my daughter's birthday. And so a few months ago, I found out that the broadway musical that she memorized during covid and just played all the time and really really wanted to see uh it's called six it's about the six wives of henry the eighth she was uh anyway i found out that it was playing in seattle and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while you know that we lived in seattle the last 15 years but a little over a year ago we moved to another part of the state so we are uh a little far away from there so i thought well that would be a fun road trip well we had to figure figure out her work schedule and all these other things but at least I knew that the Broadway show was playing for a 10 day stint in Seattle so tried to line that up well then I found out that a client of mine that is a few hours away from Seattle but not you know too far closer to Seattle than where I'm at anyway wanted to have me come up in person to try to expedite the timeline of the project we're working on So I kind of decided, well, we'll do both, right? So we'll go to Seattle for the weekend, see this performance, and then uh, I will go on to where the client is based and my husband and daughter will drive back. So once we finally had dates, which should not be as difficult as it was, I booked everything. And it just kind of happened that I booked everything online with two-sided marketplaces. So I think that's a term that everyone knows, but if not, two-sided marketplaces are really a business model that has come about you know the last i mean i guess we can say ebay was probably the first one uh, so that's probably almost 20 years but before you know after that it was quite a while uh, probably the last 10 to 15 years where you've been able to you know rent someone's house if you go on a trip or someone's car, or if somebody has tickets to a play that they don't want to use, or maybe it's a broker who is hoping to make more money on the tickets than face value. You know, some people are doing this as a way to make money. Other people are doing it just Hmm, out of cause, but really two-sided marketplaces means that the marketplace is hosting the services and the platform, but that the goods and then the use of the goods are happening off of the platform. So there's always real life concerns. And that's why trust and safety departments have come about. That's really to, you know, help ensure that people can trust the platform and know that they'll be safe, even if, you know, something happens that's not supposed to. And oh, this trip is an example of just things happening outside of our control. Uh, So yeah, like I said, I made this a surprise. So my daughter didn't know what we were doing until just a couple days before. And the only reason I told her is because she wanted to know what she should pack and what her outfit should be. And I realized, oh, she's going to want to put together something because she's just always been that type. Like whenever there was a spirit day at school, this kid was going all out. So told her and she was very excited. And apparently there's a thing for people that attend the play that I mean, I guess if you know about it, I didn't know about it, but um, she was very excited to participate that uh, you can wear the color of the queen that you support the most. And so for her, it was both the green and also the reddish pink queen. So we had to go to the mall and she found uh, a cute outfit that I probably wore 20 years ago myself because, you know, all the fashions get recycled. But she found a cute uh, reddish pink outfit that she was so excited to wear. So the day comes of the play. We were going to go the day before, but because she had to work until late at night, we're just like, well, we'll go the next morning. Left with plenty of time. And we did decide to rent a car through an online car sharing or rental marketplace. Usually we would just take my husband's car, but he had taken it to to the shop in preparation of this trip and it was still there. <laughs> so okay, we'll pivot. Hey, I've wanted to try this service for a while. I know the head of trust and safety. Um, he might even come on the podcast soon. So there we go. Uh but you guys know my rule, I don't say company names unless they're in the news. But because I know the head of trust and safety that really help me extra right I know that this guy has worked for 10 years in building up their processes and their policies and even though at first when I learned about the company I was like who wants to rent their car to a person like it's one thing to you know stay in someone's house but a car what about insurance what if something happens well they thought of all that of course Uh, in fact a large portion of that trust and safety team works on insurance claims and you know helping people Figure all those things out. So I also know that some of them listen to this, so that always is a little bit weird, but I... I'm not saying anything bad. In fact, I really appreciate your guys' company. So as you will hear, I am appreciative of that team and all the work they've done both before everything happens and after, right? So that's the biggest thing for trust and safety, as well as for preventing any chargebacks is thinking about policies and processes and procedures before anything happens so that there are guidelines for everyone to follow. When there's not guidelines, then things are inconsistent. And when things are inconsistent with customer service, well, we know that that can just be a disaster. So we got the car. It all worked out. It was actually kind of interesting how it all happened. Uh, We did it contactless. So we never met the host. And uh, they parked the car in the airport because usually that's, you know, where people rent cars. So we just parked our car next to it. One thing about living in a smaller city than Seattle is that airport parking is ridiculously cheaper than it used to be for us in the city. So it uh, wasn't too bad. And then uh, they posted all these pictures. They took pictures of every single part of the car inside and out, up close, uh, for us to see the quality of the car. And you know if there was any damage, there had actually been a little bit of a chip on the uh, front of the hood that they said had just happened um, a couple trips before no worries. They knew about that. Everything looked great. So we get in the car, we head off to Seattle, my daughter falls asleep in the back. And my husband and I were talking about some things. And then about 30 minutes into the drive, a light came on and said that there was tire pressure issues. And we're like, what the heck? Like this is a you know new car. What's going on? So we pulled over and sure enough, it was a very, very flat tire. So God bless my husband. It was like 95 degrees Fahrenheit which would be about like 35 degrees Celsius uh, in the desert. And he got out and changed the tire and I was impressed how fast he changed it. Uh, But it was the side of the highway and it was really, you know, just chaotic and we were a little worried. So I took pictures of, you know, everything, found that the tire had a pretty significant hole in it. It looked like maybe a nail had gone through, but it hadn't stayed in there. So took a picture, sent it to the host to try to figure out what was going on. My husband uh, drove the car to the nearest very small town with the spare tire, the very small spare tire. So we had to go back roads. It was just like, okay, this is fun. And at first we just thought, okay, we can get a tire repair kit at a service, you know, a gas station of sorts, and that'll be fine. Well, turned out that the ones that they had were not as good as the one that we have in my husband's car that we've never had to use. But of course, that was still at the mechanic. In the garage. So uh still in you know our hometown. So anyway, the host called to make sure we were okay, super nice guy. And he said, you know, that they had roadside assistance. So I called roadside assistance and thought we could just get, you know, a tow truck to come uh pick us up. Well, it turns out, you know, the the roadside assistance was great, but well, I waited on hold for quite a while, but that's okay. It was a Sunday. And the fact that it was a Sunday played a very big part in it because Roadside assistance just wanted to tow us to the nearest uh, service station. The problem is, is uh, in the middle of Washington state on Sundays, there was really no service station open at all. The nearest one was about 100 miles away. And we didn't know how we would get there because we couldn't. It was just it was a lot. So finally kind of. You know, going into problem-solving mode, we learned that a big box store in another town about an hour away towards our destination was open and could at least, you know, repair a tire or fix a flat. So as we were routing that, we realized we're not going to make it in time for this show. And so I had to give my daughter the devastating news. And... Of course, she was disappointed, but she had a better attitude than I thought. And um, she really just said, You know, mom, I can throw a fit and I want to, but like it's not going to do any good. It's not going to get us there faster. And I'm like, Hmm, sounds like something I probably said to you throughout your life, but I'm, you know, really proud of you that that's your outlook on it. So we get to this town that has a service station and try not to bore you with all the details, but let's just say that nobody wanted to work that day. And I mean, they tried not to give us a time. It was just a a mess, but they couldn't, they looked at it for like two hours. Well, no, they didn't, but it took them two hours to diagnose it. Thought they could just patch it up. Said, nope, we have to, you know, fully replace it. Then they were saying they weren't going to get it done for us before 7 p.m. before they close. So we just have to stay there overnight. It's like, no, 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 no. So because we had a house that was fairly expensive booked on the other side of the mountains uh, in Seattle for the night after the play, obviously. So anyway, right around when we realized that we weren't gonna be able to make the play, I thought, oh shoot, well, maybe I should at least see if I can, you know, get these tickets, if I can sell these tickets back on the marketplace, because it's about three and a half hours ahead, you know, before the show starts, and I paid quite a bit, like I was really excited to get 10th row seats. Uh, I was a single mom, you know, 15 years ago, and started out making minimum wage, you know, 17 years ago. And so it was really special that I was able to do that. Uh, And I was excited to do that for her. And so I thought, well, maybe I can, you know, at least get my money back. When I looked in the app for the marketplace, the ticketing marketplace, and I've had, you know, people from two of the biggest ones in the U.S., at least on the podcast. So, you know, it could have been SeatGeek, it could have been StubHub, it could have been another one. When I went to look in the app, I realized that I didn't have any tickets in the app. It just said that, uh, you know, they didn't have them for me yet. Well, I had bought the tickets a few days before. So it was really weird that it wasn't in there yet. And because I am fortunate to know people in fraud for different companies, I may have texted somebody that I know that works or worked at that company and just said, hey, is this normal to not have tickets in my account three hours ahead, you know, before the show? Because if you know, we hadn't had the flat tire, we would have been close to Seattle and we would have been, you know, getting ready and probably we probably wouldn't have had time for a big dinner, but like stopped and grabbed something. And they said no, that the ticket should be in there. So I called customer service and... (laughs) Uh, at least their automated system was nice enough to let me know that I was color number 42 and I had listened to enough hold music with the car rental company. So I found a way to email customer service. You know, they don't make it easy, but that's just mostly because they don't have a refund policy unless they're unable to give you the tickets. Well, because the tickets weren't in there, you know, At that time, I emailed them and requested a refund and within an hour, I actually got it. So I was grateful for that, that, you know, I would have much rather been able to go to the play and seen my daughter so happy and enjoy it. And I mean, it looked like it would have been fun too. I know a few people that have uh, gone to this one that are in our industry that, you know, said it was really good too. So I was looking forward to it. But if I wasn't going to be able to go because of this flat tire fiasco, which ended up adding about five hours to our trip or so in the middle of Washington state with not a lot going on on a Sunday because we weren't able to go. I was, I found myself like being grateful that there was probably fraud, right? Either those tickets were bought on a stolen credit card and had to be canceled, or the person who posted those tickets for sale never actually had them to begin with. And I know that, you know, all event marketing marketplaces uh, do so much to try to make sure that that's the case and try to, you know, verify barcode and all of that from the seller before they list it, but they know it happens. And that's why they Uh, they all offer fan protection or, you know, tickets of the same value or a reimbursement if you don't get your tickets. So in my whole career, there has not been a lot of times that I'm grateful that fraud happens, at least not specifically. And I mean, even generally, right? Like all of us in fraud prevention have said at one point that we'd be okay without job security if it meant that there wasn't any more online financial fraud, but we know that, you know, it's only multiplying, so that's never going to be a problem. But I'd be okay finding another job if there wasn't any but typically it doesn't happen to me uh but and and if it does it's not a good thing but I realized that I think would have been worse was not getting that flat tire and showing up at the venue and finding out that we didn't have tickets I think that would have been even more devastating so not that either one was good because in the end we didn't get to see the show and we didn't get to Seattle until late at night and we were all just so tired but in a way Because we wouldn't have been able to go there anyway, it was, you know, we got our money back and it was, you know, significant amount of money. So I'm grateful for that. And as it turns out, after it was announced that the Broadway production of Six would be in Seattle, it was later announced that it would be uh, playing again in a town that's, you know, pretty close to us, like closer to us than Seattle. So even though it's not coming until, you know, for several months, I'm grateful that, you know, I told my daughter that we will be getting tickets in Ten rows or less (laughs) for that play, so she will get to see it sometime, and she will get to wear her outfit and all that. And we did try to, you know, have fun as much as possible. Thankfully, nothing really, you know, happened with badly with the home share. It was a nice enough home; it wasn't fancy, but it was on the beach in the neighborhood that we used to live in. Uh, Actually, we lived in the general area for thirteen of the years that we were in Seattle, and we actually had lived three blocks down from the house that we rented through the app. We lived there just for a year. It was the first house that my husband and I kind of cohabitated in after we got engaged and have been dating for four years, too long distance, to in person. And we just hit the jackpot with this house because it was right on the water, like on the beach. Our backyard was the beach. My daughter was six or seven. So I think it was like the end of her kindergarten year and the most of her the year of her first grade. But it was during the housing crisis around 2009, 2010, and a developer had bought this really old house on the water, and he intended to just tear it down, but realized that it made no sense to do that because no one would be buying it and uh, building supplies were on a shortage and all of that. But he didn't want to leave it vacant, so he offered to rent it for An affordable price for us. Uh and so, and honestly, it's still steel. So uh we got to do that for a year. So it's kind of fun to be able to stay just down the beach and get to, you know, go on our old beach the next day. And my husband and I got married down the beach a little ways, so we walked that and just, you know, so we had some fun as a family. It wasn't exactly the same. And the only saving grace is I had uh, made plans for one other surprise, and it wasn't gonna be as big as the Broadway musical for my daughter, but During COVID, she nannied for a family whose uh, employer was, is, Very large, uh, well known Seattle employer, and during COVID, they offered their workers, uh, you know, to pay for a nanny if they could find one that could come in their house and be in a pod. And my daughter had babysat for them for date nights before, so and her school was so flexible, she could do it at any time. So she uh, nannied for these girls for about a year and a half, and she still refers to them as her girls. And they're, you know, several years. It's been like two and a half years since, and you know, small children grow very. Fast in that amount of time, so she got to see them the next night, and that was redeeming, and she was very excited for that, and I'm grateful for that. But you know, overall, uh, the trip was not at all what it was expecting because the main event was the play, and we didn't get to do it. But despite relying on people we didn't know to provide a car, to provide entertainment, and to provide a house for us to stay in, two out of three of those happened, and you know, the one that didn't, uh, they took care of it because they you know, knew that they weren't able to provide the the product that I had purchased. And then, you know, the one that had a flat tire and all that, they'll be reimbursing us for the flat tire, you know, because we didn't want to go in a tow truck for, you know, uh, quite a ways. We had to pay for the tire, but no biggie. Um, My husband did have to put the tire back on, which was so ridiculous. But the service at this place was less than stellar. And it was Sunday. And I know I'm sure they're overworked and underpaid. But and, and there were other cars, too, that were piling up after we had gotten there because they were the only service station for you know, over 150 miles uh, on a Sunday. And so I get that, but so frustrating. But we found ways to kill the time and, you know, found a cute restaurant in town. So we, you know, we tried to make the best of it. That's something I've always, you know, tried to do is life will change life. will, You know, is unexpected, but we can't control that, but we can control what we do about it. I know this is not a personal development podcast at all, but, you know, really just back to, you know, Like I said, the fraud and trust and safety aspect, there are times in our lives, and especially for those of us that, you know, work online and use services and order items online where we'll kind of come parallel with our job. And in this case, that was one of them. And I couldn't imagine how much harder this would have been if the companies hadn't thought those things through, right? They hadn't thought about, well, what happens if we can't provide what we say? What happens if something goes wrong? How do we protect people so that, you know, not only so that they'll book with us in the first place because they know that they can trust us. And one of the reasons why I booked with all three of those is I knew that if anything happened, they'd take care of it. Not just because I know the trust and safety in the fraud department at all three of those companies, but they're well known for it. Uh, Their trust and safety teams have done a lot to make sure that they their brand can be trusted and that people will use them not just the first time but over again. And I had several people ask me how the car sharing, you know, rental service was especially uh, because that's a little newer to a lot of people. And, you know, overall, it was really good. I, because I am this big of a nerd, I can't wait to talk to the head of trust and safety just about some of the onboarding processes and things because we've talked about them before. Uh, but, you know, it's always different when you are a customer. Uh, so that will that will not be on the podcast. that will be before we do the podcast. But um, But that's just more from a nerd perspective and just wanting to know what works and what doesn't and how that flow works and everything. I mean, I could figure it out, but because it's different than what I would do, I'm very curious how it works. But I think the point of all of this and... I swear there is a point, (laughs) is, you know, whether you work for an e commerce company or, you know, in a bank or any other thing, it's so important to think like a customer. After spending a couple of days with my family in Seattle, uh, my husband and daughter came back home and I went in an opposite direction to visit with a client company that I've been working with, uh, just, you know, on an assessment of what's going on with fraud and where the opportunities and all of that. And it's a really good e commerce company with a brand that, is very trusted and well-known, and but they're new to e-commerce, they're new to direct-to-consumer, and one of the things I found myself talking with their team about was putting themselves in their customer's position. If an order is canceled for a reason that may not make sense to a customer, how does that customer feel? Are they going to come back to your website? Are they going to tell their friends? Or is it going to be the opposite, right? Are they going to tell their friends, oh, don't worry, don't even bother going to their website because they canceled my order and I'm not sure why. Instead, I'll just go to a reseller. Well, resellers you know, don't have as much of a profit margin for the brand as you know on their website. So no matter what you sell, no matter what you do, I think it's important to think about it from the customer's perspective. What happens when something goes wrong? Whether that's their order not going through their, you know, deposit not going through or not, you know, hitting their account fast enough. What happens if the service that they pay for can't happen or is damaged? But then also, of course, what happens when people claim damage and it's not, right? So having those policies in place where there's no room for inconsistencies, right? You always know, okay, this is our policy and we can communicate it clearly both on the terms of service as well as in customer service if anyone calls about it. Those really should be the goal because yeah, yeah, it's the short term or the shorthand and what our departments are called is fraud and fraud prevention. And I agree with that, but at the same time, we're also the ones who are the innate of commerce and the enablers of revenue. We're the ones who can really see who our good customers are and allow them to purchase, even if, you know, maybe what they're doing now looked risky five years ago. It's not now, right? So, you know, what I mean by that is like people that use VPNs or things like that. So understanding and knowing, you know, having that accuracy of the system that you rely on and then having those very clear policies that are both given to your customers ahead of time and that your customer service can back up and say, you know what, as we say on our website, this is our policy, then there's no room for inconsistencies and upsetting customers. So as I said, I just, I found it interesting that over the last week I've gotten to be on the other side of trust and safety and really of you know chargeback prevention, right? And I'm grateful that I didn't have to call my bank and issue a chargeback, that these companies took care of it ahead of time. And that also means that if you wait until the chargeback and you just think, well, if they're going to complain, they'll call their bank, but hopefully not everyone does, then you're losing customers, right? But because these companies took care of us because, you know, they did what was right and what they could, we will absolutely use them again. All right, well, I hope that as you all travel that things go much more smoothly for you than they did for us last week. Even on my return trip back from my client, I had one form of transportation be canceled and then another one and then my flight was delayed. It was just I got back a day and a half later than originally planned. But at the same time, there's a motto that I kind of stole from an author that I tend to say a lot and that is everything is figure outable and that was just kind of what i decided right like i'm not going to be stuck here forever there's more than one form of transportation and everything's figure outable and when it's not hopefully whatever company you use is uh you know for that event or you know if you are using something online they'll take care of it All right, guys. Well, I look forward to talking with you again next week. Like I said, I've got pretty awesome interviews coming up uh, this week and next. I'm really excited about that. And I am grateful that all of you are still listening as you're going on vacation or catching up as you go for a hike or all the other stories I've heard from some of you. I mean, there's still the Fraudology Running Club out there. And I still do not understand you people, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening and telling your fraud fighting friends about it. And I will look forward to speaking with you more next week.